you know, I was expecting like some type of powder explosion and then the ring set up to sort of collapse. And instead I got the WCW Thunder Pyro. And that that was that one was deflating because you see Eddie Kingston laying over his prone, the prone body of his of his defeated friend. And I remember being like, damn, this is like do this is like a punchline. Like when you tell a when you tell a joke, when you got that punchline, you're like, I'm about to knock him over. And the people just go, ah, and they look at you. <laughs> <laughs> they look at you just like, ah, oh, ah. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back by popular demand for the third time. We welcome you in our recorded glory to give me the book, your weekly uh, wrestling uh, podcast. My name is Mike Alloy. We're here with Satoyo. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, we're here to talk about all things wrestling related. We have a lot of AEW talk. We have some WWE talk. And, of course, we're going to try to decipher this week's John Cena's Instagram post. Very exciting. I believe the lead for this week should be AW Revolution. Uh, yes. The big pay-per-view that happened this past Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, had the internet talking. I think maybe the first. Well, no, that's not, that's not true. One of the rare occasions that AW will have a pay-per-view, a big event, and have uh, the wrestling community talking for the wrong reasons. Sure. Uh, and yeah, I do think uh, there's a Vince McMahon quote that's very relevant uh, for this, which is they only remember the ending. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, that's, isn't that true? Because there was an overall a very solid pay-per-view that had a very good main event. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of a shame in that regard. And I knew the moment it happened, I was like, well, that's all we're talking about. It kind of, you know, which is a shame. You really had a good ladder match. Um you know, you had a very good main event, you know, and and you had, in my opinion, the greatest uh, cinematic wrestling match of all times. So it was a shame to go out on a whimper like that. But I knew once that happened, I was like, "Woo, they about to have a hard week of TV. There's no doubt it was time. If I may be honest, and this is where we can uh, go through our thoughts of revolution. Uh, I thought this was kind of a disappointing night even before the ending if i'm maybe 100 honest sure sure i thought aw made some decisions which is very rare for them right because usually when we watch pay-per-views uh especially with level of talent now that you know all the best companies have um we know the matches are going to be good sure it is the decisions you know that they that are made around them in the presentation which is kind of how we look at the company right and mm-hmm. and Oh, and I think AW made some decisions on on some matches that I wasn't a fan of, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Uh, for example, I love the way that the the street fight was filmed. Sure, I I like that because so WWE what they usually do they try to make street fight look like it's happening like outside or their cinematic matches look like it's happening outside of the venue right now. Mm-hmm. Which is why you see all the frequent jump cuts and all the stuff that people usually complain about. And sometimes it's way too dark to even see what's happening. Um, AEW did a good job where they fully embraced that this is filmed. Yeah. And they made it look like, a, I think you said it made it look like a comic book. I, for me, it was like a, almost a video game with like their, uh, the camera work at times. Right. And I liked it. But if you are going to embrace it for its, like the, all the movie elements, then why have live commentaries on it? Like no, I thought I, that 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 was, for, was so stupid to me, and I it just took me out. I had to watch the match mute to be honest with you. 
Well, yeah, see, I didn't, well, it didn't bother me to that end, but I do agree the commentary was not necessary, but I think it was to give people something to do who were working on staff. Having said all of that, I think that they, I mean, the thing had a, had a score for goodness sakes. So you didn't really, you know, once you have a cinematic score in your match, you don't really need commentary, but to me, it didn't take away from it. Um, I just appreciated the buildup to it, how they chose to pull it off and, you know, credit to all parties involved. I thought there were elements of it that were very, very creative. Um, I've always thought Sting has had incredibly creative offense. Um, even to this day, I think he's one of the, he throws one of the better punches ever in wrestling, especially when committed. And I remember there was just one spot that really stuck out to me when Ricky was choking him and he was up against um, a desk and he pulled out one of the desk drawers and it was like a metal desk and he pulled out one of the desk drawers and it just popped Ricky right in the knee. And you could tell it was heavy by the sound that it made. And I just love that because to me, I'm like, that's some movie shit right there. You know, like that's like when the, when the super the superheroes in peril and they pull out something like that. I thought that was pretty neat. I, I didn't. And also I appreciated, you know, staying, even though there were cuts and things like that, showcasing his athleticism at 62 years of age. Um, I liked the match. I would have preferred if Starks in, in, in cage one, but having watched Wednesday, I understand why they didn't. So. Yeah, no, I, uh, I have no problem with us thing going over. I do. So let me pay him a compliment. I do. I like what, how they kept Brian cage really strong at the beginning. Yes. Just basically one man took out the entire army of those things. Yeah. <laughs> um, they made, uh, Derby Allen looked like Nightcrawler, which was yep. awesome. Um, him scaling your walls and dropping. And I thought, obviously, the, the big spot, which is, you know, them kind of playing through a, a glass door kind of and, and the wall at the same time was incredible. And that's kind of what we wanted to see, you know, happen to Darby Allen, right? Have him yeah. go through just horrible things and then keep fighting. Um, did not know why the last three, four minutes of the street fight were finished in a wrestling ring and I, lo know, I love that i actually love i actually loved it because they they started you know getting to that abandoned warehouse it, it again i like the fact that they were still like hey this is still it's a cinematic wrestling match but it's a cinematic wrestling match so there was still the ring there and when the shit went down they got into a ring so to me i appreciate the fact that they brought it full circle and been like well it started in a ring it's going to end in a ring um that much i appreciated i i don't think that i would have cared for it because also at the same time you still get to work out your move set i mean you still want people to have i still wanted people to have varied offense and bouncing off the ropes i still wanted to see the ricky spear the ricky stark spear the best spear in professional wrestling like, i still wanted to see that and how Ricky comes off the ropes and things like that. I still, it was nice to see Sting go from defending a power bomb into a sunset flip. You know, like these things were, these things were nice. And also if you're going to do stuff like that, better to do it on the ring than, you know, do it on the concrete where then you have to do even more camera chicanery uh, with, with padding and stuff like that. So I was a fan of that. Uh, again, I feel like the whole point of doing like a street fight in, with a film is that you can't do all the film chicanery. I would love to see uh, them do that move, but like go through a car window. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You want you want the you want the you want the whole thing. Yeah. 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 I mean that you know that's what happens. And I feel like that's kind of my thing with AW this pay per view, which wasn't that it was bad. Is that it, I wanted the whole thing and they gave me some of the thing. Okay, that's you fair. Know, when you when you you know, Christian Cage is a perfectly happy. I'm, I'm very happy to see Christian Cage wrestle Kenny yeah. Omega, Cody, however match he's going to have. And I think they'll all be great and I'll tell a great story because Christian is uh, uh, one of the best, you know, uh, workers ever and, yes. and, and great storytelling, a great professional wrestler. But when you announce him as a huge, big deal, Hall of Famer, and, you know, people start speculating that it's Kurt Angle, CM Punk, Brock Lesnar, and he shows up and doesn't say anything. 
it's like, well, you're not doing him any favors at that point. See, I, here's here's why I disagree. I think people don't listen. I think it's a matter of people not listening and not paying attention. It, they said future Hall of Fame or Hall of Fame caliber talent. Mm-hmm. He is he is within the WWE system. He's one of their regardless of how Vince chose to book him. He's one of their best. Again, this is a guy whom and, and his greatness should not be undersold. This is a guy who, when he was getting incredibly over in the early 2000s as Captain Charisma and for my peeps and all this stuff, Vince, once again, in his infinite uh, wisdom, refused to really showcase Christian appropriately. And what did Christian do at that point in his early 30s? He took a bet on himself and he left. And he went to TNA and instantly helped their profile, instantly raised their profile, multiple-time world champion, uh, proved his point realistically, then winds up going back to WWE and is shackled in ECW, winds up making that work because he is that tremendous of a talent, then gets back onto SmackDown, finally wins the world title, has a great summer series with Randy Orton, two-time world's champion, um, and unfortunately was sidelined with injury. But, I mean, that's the thing. If people, you know, I don't think people are listening, and I think people have very, very short memories. Let's not act like Christian wasn't a part of these historic ladder matches or these TLC matches. Christian was a prime component in all of those things. This is a multi-time intercontinental champion, you know, who's been a part of really, really great things. Um, the stuff that he did with Chris Jericho and Trish Stratus, you know, in WrestleMania, I believe it was what, WrestleMania 21? Um, just really, really amazing stuff. So this man has the pedigree. So I don't under, and again, if it got people thinking that, oh my God, Brock Lesnar's coming and what, that is people engaging in their own form of mental masturbation that they do to themselves. Because if you were a think, if you were really honed in as a thinking person, you would know for a fact there's no way Vince would ever let a Brock Lesnar go to that point. And since Brock Lesnar currently doesn't have beef with WWE and Brock Lesnar knows I can show up and work 90 days a year and make over $2 million, he's not, he's not really apt to go anywhere. It's not like in the early 2000s for Brock where they, were, had, they had a lawsuit, so he went to Japan. He doesn't have that element there. So I think people, had to, people just were not being honest. I don't think people were listening at all. Because I think I you that's it's to blame on the people, but the thing is, you always do that. That's what people always do whenever you and, say, and, "Hey, and, we have a and, big and, deal and, coming." People will go heads will go for the biggest thing. Possible. I, I, you're absolutely right, and that's why people need to open their ears. And again, we fit. And again, one thing I like is last week when we talked about this, we talked about the huge ana- announcement. We didn't speculate on names. We didn't put that out there into the ether. So, I, because to me, it's like, no, let me just sit back and see. Do I but think? Because it, we are great. The yes, thing is, you could, have all, you could have also just not said anything. Like, how much bigger is this if Christian just pops up in any of the, the matches and does and just like doesn't run it? I like, mean, oh my God, Christian is in the, that, it, that it I, makes him more impactful. And I mean, now, perhaps, like, holy shit, they got Christian. Yeah, I mean, perhaps all I can say is, and I'll go, I'll go based on this is that, you know, I watched it. I mean, I, I will give AEW my money because I do believe that they do try hard with their with their product. And um, Christian got a big pop. And I was online and the trolls eventually came out. But when I was online, as it was happening, it was cool. And because we had just seen Christi- Christian, you know, a little over a month ago at the Royal Rumble where the man looked spectacular so it's all right so you're like oh okay it's not like it's a christian we hadn't seen in years it's not like the last time we had seen christian he was getting punted in the head in the performance center by randy orton this was a christian that we saw who was in who looked physically a little bit more defined than when we had last seen him in ring and all of a sudden was moving as if it was 10 years ago and this is a gentleman who's in his mid to late 40s still moving at that at, at, with that with that type of frenetic pace and still has something to contribute so 
I mean, to me, I didn't need to hear Christian talk. I was popping because when I heard the countdown, I was like, that's Christian's TNA music. So I immediately knew, oh, that's the TNA Christian Cage theme song. So I, I was a fan. And what I, what I saw online was a, the, the initial and sustained response was more positive than negative. Oh, no, I listen. Everybody loves Christian. Everybody who likes wrestling likes Christian. Sure. He is, again, has incredible body of work, and he's somebody who, you know, you kind of feel like even though he has accomplished all these things, has never really gotten the proper push slash respect, you okay. know, slash like a chance to shine that he really deserves. So, no, this is not a – it's just that, again, it's – let me put, if you're going to advertise uh, uh, a bar wire death match and say that somebody's going to explode to death and that people don't explode to death, sure. you, not, even though we know people are not going to explode to death, you still feel disappointed when they don't explode to death. Yeah, when you tell they... me that they're going to sign somebody who is a huge, big deal, who we so big, you, you want to be tuned in for this. And I know it's not Brock Lesnar. And then when Brock Lesnar doesn't show up, I'm still disappointed it's not Brock Lesnar. That's all. And, it's, okay. and, 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 and me and those people is people who are dumber than me. But, that's, fair. that's fair. Which is most people. That but, is, yes. But that's, again, I think, again, that's kind of been that, that, how I look at this pay-per-view because this wasn't a bad pay-per-view this was a B pay-per-view but you again and, and to be fair that's that's only EW for constantly putting out excellent television shows yeah yeah and, and as they did again this week by the yeah. way yeah um that you know the this was one of the few times where the build for the pay-per-view was better than the actual pay-per-view itself in my opinion no that, and that's fine I mean I, yeah and I do think that there's there's some validity to that I mean there were there were certainly some things that I knew I wasn't going to enjoy, like the Young Bucks match. I knew I wasn't going to enjoy that, really. Um, so I wasn't surprised there. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think that a lot of it came down to – and, again, I think with the – and I'll go to the main event. Mox – and, again, I do believe – I think that Moxley – people need to give Moxley his flowers because um, he proved this point when he won PWI's Wrestler of the Year. It was the correct call of 2020. He was the best wrestler uh, during, and he had the advantage of being in front of some type of crowd, but also just the stuff that he was doing from 2019 till now. Everywhere he looked like a really big deal. Um, everywhere he looked like a bigger star than when he was in WWE. Um, you know, is that to say like he's the best bout machine in the ring? Of course not but just the overall presentation product and what the man put forth. And he was also very lucky to be in there with some phenomenal talents like an Eddie Kingston, like MJF who helped his reign towards the end of it and his stuff with Kenny. I mean, um, I, I, him and Kenny have never had a bad match. And it is a shame that uh, I want, I, you know, I was expecting like some type of powder explosion and then the ring set up to sort of collapse. And instead, I got the WCW Thunder Pyro. And that that was that one was deflating because you see Eddie Kingston laying over his prone, the prone body of his of his defeated friend. And I remember being like, damn, this is like do this is like a punchline. Like when you tell a when you tell a joke, when you got that punchline, you're like, I'm about to knock him over. And the people just go, ah. And they look at you, <laughs> they look at just like, ah, oh, ah, oh, it's hard. They were able to, to turn chicken salad into that chicken shit. But yeah, I, I think that the, the Thunder Pyro is kind of, it kind of perfectly encapsulates how that pay-per-view went in that it was a solid pay-per-view, but man, we were expecting, you know, we were expecting the world to set on fire, you know, and instead, you know, we got, we got a little oven you know, a little oven fire, a little, a little, little malfunction in the microwave <laughs> that was easily put out when you just open the microwave. Yeah, it's a you know you you put the hot pocket still in uh, still in this packaging. You know, it's mm -hmm. one of those classic hangover hangover rookie mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, the I will say this: I will give them. Let me give them credit now. What credit is due? We last week we talked about whether or not they can do uh, a barbed wire death match that you actually want to replay. And they did. Mm -hmm. The first yeah. 20 minutes of that match are really like rewatchable. And this, I thought it was by far the best thing on the pay-per-view. Yeah. Yeah, e easily. I mean, like we, like I said last week, I've never wanted to watch a barbed wire match twice. And if I were going to watch one, it was that one. I mean, they just, they, they did it really, really well. And they didn't lean too far into the gore 
aspect of it, you know, where at some point, you know, they, what can they do? I remember watching some Sabu Terry Funk stuff and I'm like, please don't bounce. Please don't go into the ropes. Please do not. I don't. Can this end actually like, can this be over? Cause this is hurting. Yeah. And one of the, again, it's such a small thing, but one of my favorite things was the, the kick out when he put the leg yes. on a, yep. on a, on a, on a rope and it called an explosion. That was just Brilliant. such a cool, Brilliant. Yeah, good, great wrestling IQ, great character work shows you what kind of, you know, that, you know, he's willing to sacrifice his body to, you know, get the championship back and to win the match. And he doesn't care. And also just great ring IQ because he is a professional wrestler. Um, no, this match was great until, until it wasn't. Um, how do you, um, so now let's get to actually the, the explanation. I, I did think they, the, the, the good thing about Eddie Kingston being the one to look most stupid of everybody involved is he can talk his way out of it. And he sure did. He, yeah. Yeah, he did. He, you know, uh, he's a, a, a hell of a promo. And, you know, even if we all know what really happened, um, he did as good as anybody could have, I think, in the situation he was placed in on Wednesday. Right. right. Yeah, I think, I think Eddie, and again, I wasn't worried too much about it because I figured the promo was going to go exactly how it went. So I wasn't too surprised in that. Um, and Eddie, Eddie's just so good, man. Eddie's, Eddie's just, Eddie is so good. Eddie is so incredibly good that he can talk, he can talk you into watching. And um, he's always been this way. And he's always had to, he's all, and I'm so glad that he got the, the opportunity to really showcase what he can do and what he's all about. And the fact that the people wanted that. The way, when we saw Eddie come out, I was like, oh yeah, of course. Cause it's bigger than wrestling, right? It's, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than rap. You know what I'm saying? It's deeper than that, you know? And everything. And then you see that happen. I was like, nah, man, Eddie's going to fix it. And sure enough, Eddie fixed it in a way that I'm just like, yeah, bro, I buy that too. I mean, I ain't never fa fainted, but I ain't never been in County. So I can't speak on it. <laughs> I think that's a safe bet for most of like wrestling fans. Like, well, he said, he said, he says it, that's the way it is. That I believe him. Um, the other thing, my favorite piece. Uh, well, there's two. There's two pieces of businesses that would that happen at um, on Dynamite that I really, really loved. Um, the first one, I'll go with a small one first. I really, first of all, I thought uh, Darby Allen versus Scorpio Sky was an incredible match. Excellent, um, especially for someone. And I think. I think they showed two flippy matches. It was Phoenix versus uh, Matt Jackson and Darby versus Scorpio Sky. Sure. And it showed how you can have a flippy match done wrong and flippy match done right, for lack of better yeah. terminology. And I thought Darby versus Scorpio was just so well done. As, yeah. as, a, as the, the counters were beautiful, they were really smooth, but they sold well, they were believable, which is what Darby Allen and Scorpio Sky do, both do so well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely 100%. I think in, in Scorpio and Darby, and especially Darby's really coming along well because of his physique. He knows he, he has to, he's going to have to sell more, and, and his selling is more convincing. Um, Scorpio is a veteran. You know, a lot of people don't know Scorpio's been around like 20 years, and he's really good. So, so technically, you have better workers in Scorpio and Darby, and that's not to be disrespectful to Jackson or Phoenix. But you have guys who just take their time and understand what they're trying to do in terms of, you know, getting this competitive match with storytelling through as opposed to just trying to do raw athleticism and and not paying attention to what I mean, the Matt Jackson or the Jackson uh, Ray Phoenix match is hard because I'm just like you got I, I saw I saw two Canadian destroyers in a row. And the destroyer it, is no longer a thing. I yeah, I was joking. PW, PGW uh, killed the destroyer, but AW is televised to death. Yeah, yeah. It's, so, it's, it's a two count. We yeah, need to change yeah. the name from it's a Canadian two count now. And that's the thing. It's like PD Williams deserves so much better than that. <laughs> PD, PD Williams gave you people one of the most creative finishers. It's a finisher. Don't treat to me. It's like I'm like, oh my god, this is this is just this is my DDT. Like when the DDT, because <laughs> even when I was a kid, the DDT was still a finish, you know, but then all of a sudden it just wasn't anymore. Like the Canadian destroyer is my DDT. And, uh, but again, with Scorpio 
and Darby, they understand that you can have all that athleticism. It doesn't mean anything if you can't produce in the ring. And also it actually had a real story that, that, that I hope they really dig into more in the story of Scorpio sky and the story of how can you come in here? I mean, this guy's been so close so many times, so something has to change uh, in him. So hopefully he's still in the picture. Cause how could he not be with Darby after they had that match? Darby barely gets the win. And then, you know, he puts Darby in a heel hook and has them tapping. And the, and the maiden made sense too, because I remember when I watched the, the ladder match, I was wondering, like, this booking doesn't make sense because you're shining a spotlight on supposedly a new babyface, right? Babyface mm-hmm. having his breakthrough. But yet, you know, Cody Rhodes, who is the bigger babyface, is, you know, fighting through the injury. And, and like, why would you, like, it seems like a kind of silly booking, right? Like, why would you kind of steal the spotlight from one babyface who needs it more, give it to the one who already has it? And then seeing the heel turn, I was like, oh, okay, this made yeah. sense. This may, yeah. It made sense. Mm-hmm. It was, it was good, logical, and clean. Now all they got to do is stick with it. When he didn't win, I knew something had to happen. When when Scorpio didn't get the win, I was afraid because Scorpio didn't get the win against Cody uh, for the TNT title. He didn't get the win against Darby. I was like, all right, we got to do something because right now my man is a failure because every time the title's on the line, he fails and something got to change. And I think uh, I think they did the right thing there. Good piece right. of business. I agree. And now the the last piece of business, and I want to know your opinion on it, whether or not. Well, I thought the presentation was beautiful. I thought it was really well done. The new formation of the Horsemen, which uh, we talked about last week, and uh, got a you know to my own horn, man, I got it right. I knew this was a, a an MGF stable, which they look good. Yep. Uh, did they rush it though? I think AW is so good with slow burns, with like. You know, we're having something and then, you know, paying it off months later. The fact that, you know, we just got this new uh, horseman kind of boilerplate last week. And now, boom, we have the leader already a week later. But uh, what do you think it was like perfectly timed? I think, unfortunately, given the circumstances, it was it was it was about as well timed as they could have done. Again, had they even been running shows that could have been 50 percent capacity of the audience, I think you would have seen a slower burn. You could have dealt more with the audience reaction. You could have dealt more with heat, prolonged facial expressions because of the audience reaction. I think, I think, um, had you had an audience, a full audience there, I think MJF and Jericho get a run with the title, even if it's a quick one. Um, but, but there wasn't. And I think that um, it was harder for them to do this stuff because how much more, how, how much, you know, you can't, how much more heat can you get on that particular uh, angle? Now, had they chosen to extend it a bit more, I wouldn't have cared, but they couldn't, they just came off a loss, you know? So they, 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 so something had to change. Had they won the titles, I would have been like, yeah, okay, you can get another two, three months out of this for the purposes of storyline, but they didn't. So, I feel as though given the circumstances, it could go no better than it. I mean, that was, that was about as best as they could have done. Had there been an audience, had we not been in the global pandemic, I believe they could have milked it more by given the circumstances of what it was. Nah. I do need to point out how well, like that, that whole beat down, this was one of the better beat downs I've seen in quite some time. Um, And again, man, Jericho, you know, the guy, you know, he knows what he's doing, man. Him crawling to the bat. Yep. You know, just like as a last resort, being stopped and just, you know, completely stomped out in the end. Um, Santana Ortiz being handcuffed and just, ah, it was was beautiful. And that's how, you know, if you would have told me a week ago that in a circle we're going to be baby faces, I would be like, well, that's possible, but they might have a difficulty getting there. And I think they got there really quickly. They did, and they, they did they did it the right way. Because, again, the inner circle needed to do something because they had already intentionally sort of been devalued. So you have to give them something. Yeah, and now you have, what, five fresh baby faces, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know, we all know it's, it's it's a lot harder to make baby faces than, than heels. Right. And they just, you know, in one swell move, now you, you want to see five guys get a, get a comeuppance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's facts. And, again... 
you know, you give, you got FTR, you got Sean Spears, you know, you've got, now you got MJF. So you already know Santana and Ortiz and, and FTR can go at it, you know, for a long time. Uh, well, I believe that's six on five, right? You have one mm-hmm. more person. Yeah, mm-hmm. good. So Sean Spears can watch from the sidelines. No, so Sean Spears can be I... actively involved. <laughs> you will, you, uh, you will see with Sean Spears. I show you. You're gonna, you're gonna learn. You're gonna learn. I, uh, I will. If it happens, it happens. I, I do not have high hopes. But again, they, they have, they have their five. They have their starting five. Mm-hmm. He can, he's Sean Spears has always been the sixth man. I feel like. He was not. He was less of a perfect ten and more of uh, off the bench six. You know what? That's all. I mean, listen, a six man can still get you a championship. That's you know what? That's, you know, that's Rajon yeah, Rondo. Yeah, he still gets you. Is right. <laughs> the Rondo? Sean yeah. is the, he the Rondo. The, he could be Rondo. The Lou Williams. The Lou Williams of uh, of uh, AEW. Yeah, ain't no wrong with that. Ain't no wrong with that. They got rings. <laughs> they got that's rings. That's not. <laughs> I guess we agree on this. Um, <laughs> you have m- mentioned uh, uh, John Moxley being the best wrestler of last year, which I will not dispute. I think he's certain, definitely one of the best, and you know I have no problem with uh, with him winning the PWI. Now, I would say what quarter way through twenty twenty one, if I may nominate someone for for the award for this year, I think it's Finn Balor. I think it's about to me as far as the champion, as far as presentation, and as far as the matches he's been having. I think he is performing at uh, maybe outside of Roman Reigns. I think he's probably performing at the highest level of just just about anybody. Outside, I mean, again, I think like I've, I've you know we've talked about this before. I think bell to bell, Finn Balor is the best worker in that company. I also, when I say worker, for those listening, I am also factoring in the fact of how the position that he is on the card how he showcased. He is the main event on NXT, so I do expect him to get more time. Um, but he has the best matches. Um, I think, I thought, and again, keep in mind, like, I mean, Drew has excellent matches. I think I think Finn Balor's matches, they just are more stoked in the just really good, solid wrestling where a lot of things have to make sense. There's timing, there's pacing, there's selling, we're working on body parts. I mean, it's a very Bret Hart type of style um which i think is excellent i think that nobody on the roster bell to bell is seeing him uh on on wwe's roster this is not to say that they are not as talented or as skillful it's just the way in which his matches are presented how he presents his matches he's been very honest about the type of wrestling that he wants to engage in and i think for finn balor at this age at 39 is really just um He's the best on their brand. Roman ain't seeing him in overall presentation. Uh, there's no one on that roster who is seeing him. And it's a shame that he is doing all of this incredible work um, with no audience. You know, he's just, uh, he's, he's been phenomenal since he got the belt back, you know, since he went back to NXT, but definitely since he got the belt back, he's just been phenomenal. He's been bell to bell, their best champion. Had that. Absolutely, I thought a uh, phenomenal twenty-minute, you know, match with uh, Adam Cole this week. Uh, and Adam Cole couldn't do no thigh slaps. Did you look? Adam Cole got to actually do stuff now. So that's that's yeah. amazing. Dude, did you see that? The you know, again, I think we always kind of highlight the one or two moves that really like made us believe, or you know, like really impressed by his super kick without a thigh slap, which still made hell of a loud noise. But the way um, Finn Balor sold it which was just like the look on his eyes, like, oh, shit, my jaw got rebroken again. Yeah, I mean, again. Beautiful. One of my favorite super kicks. Which is, When's the last time you care about a super kick, you know? Well, in the current landscape of professional wrestling, we've done, again, I grew up in a time where you didn't thigh slap with a super kick or a savant kick, as it was called. You just threw the kick. You didn't need the sound effect because at the time, especially back then, to thigh slap actually sounded phony because getting kicked in the face doesn't sound like that. It's more of a thud than, than a smack because when you're wearing a boot or a shoe and you kick someone, it's not eliciting a slap reaction. It's a more of a thudding sound that sometimes if you're in a packed arena, you can't hear that. So 
Um, Sean, I mean, again, for all you Sean Michael Marks, who you love him so much, and he is your God, and you cannot breathe without him, and he is everything to you in your professional wrestling life, watch Sean's matches, especially from his first title run, his second title run, his third one. There was never a thigh slap. You understood he just kicked that man in the face. It looked the part. When he beat Brett at uh, WrestleMania 12 to win the title, look at the first super kick. Look at the second. No thigh slap. That is foot to face. The thigh slap actually helped devalue the move. So now you can throw out a thousand super kicks in a match and it means nothing. Yep. And someone like MGF can take six of them and that'd be just the That was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. But it is, you know, it is what I can't. I I try to, because again, we talk talk about the young bucks and super kicks too much. I get emotional. They, listen, they sell a lot of shirts, man. You can't. They do. They do. I'm not. I ain't hating on that. Um, so now we are now starting the NXT build, the build to a two-day NXT takeover, which I'm I'm cautiously excited about. And NXT takeovers usually lack of uh, you know point upon deliver. Uh, mm-hmm. but I you know I just hope again it doesn't water it down. I think like that's always been kind of the strong point of off takeovers is that it's usually five at most six matches and they're all great and they just kind of you know give them time to tell the story so uh over two nights i mean we'll see if they're able to come up with 10 or i guess what eight to ten intriguing matches um but the top of those cards is exciting because I, we are finally getting finn Balor versus carrion cross right and talk about how well they're presenting finn even before Karen Cross appears on camera, you know, we know he knows he's there. We know he just doesn't even look and just goes, what took you so long? Right. That's how you perfect, perfect way to present a champion. Yep. Who's not afraid. I don't care how much bigger you are, how scary your uh, intro is or anything like that. Like that's how you present a champ. And uh, I am hopeful we will finally get. So you've watched him in CNA so far in his the NXT run, I have not been impressed by Karen Cross uh, as oh, the worker. That's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I mean, I know Karen from his killer cross days, and um, he's he's just a he's a he's a really good talent. And again, he's done and more than anything else. Like Karen Cross has a YouTube channel, and it's one of the more smart, innovative things that a wrestler has done. It's not a new phenomenon. It's not a new thing. But Karrion would just cut promos all the time. He just cuts promos. This is before he came to WWE. He still does it. You can find his YouTube. Just type in his name. You can find his YouTube channel. And it's the aesthetic that he wanted his character to give off and convey. And he does an excellent job of talking you into the character, talking you into himself, in effect, and talking you into the match. He is a he's a he's a big guy who can move well. He doesn't have to do a lot. He can do a lot. He doesn't really need to do a lot. So, um, but no, I, I, I like Karrion. I like this match with Ciampa. I uh, like this stuff with Keith Lee because he's a bigger guy. He should be working differently. Um, that's the thing I think that WWE has really gotten away from. Unfortunately, too many guys do the same moves. And the guys who do different moves, they stand out. You know what I'm saying? That's why some guys, they kind of, they, they're not as fresh anymore because everybody's doing the same stuff. Everybody's working the same way. Carrion intentionally works a different way because based on his body composition, he should. So the match with him and Finn is going to be very interesting because Finn is like their, you know, their quote unquote real world's champion who adjusts to every, everybody's style and, and wins by sort of, not even beating them at their own game, but outsmarting them in the moments where it's most appropriate. No, I agree with that. Uh, I again, I just have not been. I thought Carrying Cross versus um, uh, the Santos match, Santos Escobar yeah. was good, but they had to throw a lot of Gaga to make it entertaining. Well, because because Santos Escobar, it you know he's he's going to get murdered, so you have That's to give you have to give a lot of Gaga, and also at the same time. Re-establish the fact that Karrion Cross is a monster. You know what I'm saying? You have to reestablish, and he is. I mean, look at the dude is a freaking beast. Karrion Cross comes off like somebody who would challenge John Cena for a title in between 2007 and 2010. Oh, so you're like, saying uh, he? So you're saying he would lose? Like, yeah, 
Like he comes off like Mr. Kennedy, Nikolai Volkov type, where he can do, he's got the look, he's got the promos, he's got the packaging. He can throw a nice, a pretty suplex. But man, in that ring, he's just, just something is missing for me. Yeah, I think, I think the more you see of Kerry and the more you'll come to understand. But yeah, if he's a challenger for 2000, I'm so glad that Karrion couldn't be around during that time period because they would have ruined him. They still might. But man, they would have ruined John would have been like, all right, you're going to come through. You're going to run through everyone. You're going to beat everyone. And then I'm going to beat you at Taboo Tuesday clean. (laughs) You're going to you're going to tap, brother. Like that would have been terrible. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been using to uh, get that uh, STFU. Over. Yeah, no, they would have. He would have been. He would have been tapping. Uh, the next we also got to build to. I think I might even be anticipating this match more, and this might be, maybe the, could could has potential to be the best match on the, the WrestleMania week long weekend. Uh, Io Shirai versus Raquel Gonzalez. I think Raquel has been groomed to be the one to uh either beat Io or at least really like believably challenge her. Um. Since, uh, yeah, pretty much since uh, the War Games match where, you mm-hmm. know, she kind of stood out. And even before that, she had a nice little uh, winning streak. So um, I think they made her from somebody who's like, oh, wow, she's big and but kind of green to somebody who is one of the best in the ring. I think the series with um, Rhea Ripley definitely helped. And yeah. now I'm excited to see what she can do with uh, Io Shirai. Agreed. You might as well... Uh... You know, you gotta, you guys gotta, they gotta figure out what they want to do. They do they want to commit or do they want to be half pregnant? So we'll, we'll find out. Yeah. Do you think, um, assuming, well, yeah, do you think uh, this could be it for Finn and Io? Do you think they're headed to uh, main roster? I think Io potentially, but again, I hope not because I don't, I don't, you know, think, right. you know, I, the, the Oscar effect is not. You know, and I everyone's oh man, yeah, but she's a world multiple time world champion. Yeah, but look at how she's presented. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, you want to be you want to be CM Punk in his first world title run? Great. You want to do you want to do that, but for nine months, great and be concussed and have a chipped tooth. Tremendous. Um, but uh EO potentially Finn. Um, no, actually, I think it might be carrying. So I think this might be because honestly, like I there's no way Vince looks at a carrying cross and says, yeah, keep him down there. There's no way. So I think it could potentially be a wrap for carrying. Yeah. yeah. That, that's interesting. And I've yeah. never thought about it, but yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of uh, main roster mashups for carrying when he, when he's called up, that's fair enough. And I'm sure Vince loves the, you know, the whole package that, that, that he brings with him. Yes. Um, of raw. What, how Raw started, I liked more than anything either show did. So that's all I can sort of give, like how Raw started with Lashley versus Miz. And um, I really enjoyed that because that's kind of a throwback to something you don't see too often. The title rematch. Um, you uh, Even back in the day, you didn't see it so soon, but it would happen. And you want to firmly establish, no, we are in a different situation now and the way they presented Lashley the graphics they used for Lashley um it was all appropriate and then he went and destroyed the Miz as he should have I like that better than anything just because of the presentation the point that they were getting across I like that segment better than any segment WWE put forth this week oh Lashley's new entrance is incredible yeah I would give him that they they certainly are presenting him like like the champion that well, you know, and, and, I mean, and, who's going to be a champion for a long time. Right. So. And, and again, when you do things like that, not only do you have to present them appropriately, but it's like, what do you expect of a, a dominant who I, I still consider him kind of a heel uh, heel champion? I mean, a guy like him. And again, I think people have to realize, and I don't know if Brock educated people. I don't think, I don't think he really did. When you're a big athletic guy, who's a legitimate fighter and badass. In the ring, you shouldn't have to do a whole lot. So, you know, you don't, I mean, people all Brock ran the same moves. Yeah, because those moves were effective. They made sense and they were killing people. When you're a legit competitor, you don't have to, I mean, again, you don't got to leapfrog unless absolutely necessary. 
you know, so I think with Lashley, the presentation of him is so appropriate because yeah, this is a guy who you, you, he doesn't sell for you. You, you sell for him and you have to be someone to actually make him move. And if you're not someone you ain't, he ain't moving because he's on a different level than you. He's on, he's on a different level than your favorites. So, and then as a result, when you put a competitor against him, who's an actual threat to him, that's when you see him work. But again, I've seen this Lashley in TNA. So I know how good it can be and how good it is. The only potential drawback would be maybe age, but it doesn't look it. No, not at all. I think his, um, yeah, I, I, do, I do think his whole presentation has been, at least up as a champion, has been on point. Um, the only thing that happened on Raw that I remember, and you know, it's up to you how much you want to talk about it. I remember Sheamus and, and, and Drew being the tar of each other again. Yeah. Uh, There's always, you know, good time. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I hope they don't run it into the ground. Um, and there was a Braun versus Shane segment, which do we need to talk about? Or can we just call it Dom and move on? It was, it was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my entire life. And, we, uh, and that's, they, that's, that's, that's it. That's fine. Yeah, I didn't enjoy how much they sweated. Um, I feel like they were sweating both, like just uh, Shane being 50 and, and also that the embarrassment of we are stinking up the joint. When you were, again, as somebody who's been on stage and just bombing, that, wow, the spotlight is on me and it hurts. Sweat. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I think those, those two, I think especially Shane, he was lucky there wasn't. I mean, Shane especially. I mean, you can say what you want to about Braun. Shane been in this over 20 years, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, Shane should be should be happy there was no audience there. Because that shit... And, and honestly, that shit was dreadful. And, and it, it's a lot like seeing the McMahons on TV as of late. Um, which has... It, thankfully, it hasn't been that frequently. But every time I've seen a McMahon on TV over the past few years, especially, I'm just like, this is bad. It's beyond bad because they don't know what they're doing when they're up there. You want to suck, but at least seem competent. That's fine. They've been able to do that for many, 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 many years. The authority being a prime example. Things stunk. At least they look like they knew what they were doing. Now I see these guys go up here and they look like fish out of water. They're the last thing I want to see. And they show you when they're out there that they should be the last thing you want to see because they don't know what they're doing. See, I knew knew I'd be able to get something out of you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You um, can. Yeah. SmackDown. Um, thought it was great. Again, I, I really enjoyed it this week. Um, I love the, again, it's, it's a little bit of, um, I guess a cliche, but we haven't seen that in a while. Everything in wrestling repeats itself. Um, I like that, you know, Edge probably end up being the, the special enforcer in the match, uh, who is now conflicted. He now has, you know, uh, obviously beef with Roman, but now he has beef with Brian and, you know, what is he going to do? And, you know, there's always a chance of, him being the ultimate opportunist and doing something dastardly, there's a chance he'll just keep being a baby face. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming it's going to happen. I'm assuming he's beating J.O. so next week. Um, but I love, again, I think all three men are really good, doing great character work, really good on the mic. Um, love the story they're telling there. Yeah, I, I think I think it's definitely a compelling piece of business they're putting together. You know, so I'm, I'm interested to see what happens going forward. Uh, Big E versus Apollo, uh, turning it up, making it like something really interesting and intense. Uh, we could, would, we'll probably pay off at WrestleMania. I'm assuming in some kind of no DQ match. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. I mean, look, I, I love everything about that feud except for Apollo's ridiculous presentation of Nigerian culture. So, um, and I, to those of you listening, I'm Nigerian. And what Vince has him doing is fucking stupid. Um, every Nigerian kid has imitated their parents' accents. Apollo clearly has one of the worst imitations that you could ever have. And please, for the love of God, Nigerians do not carry spears. Um, that is ridiculous. That is stupid. Aside from that, I like the presentation a lot. And I think that they're putting a proper amount of heat on that and they can get a lot out of it. Um but yeah, lose the spear. You're not going to lose the accent because you've learned nothing from Kofi Kingston because the company's racist. But um, but yeah, so we'll see. I feel like two two things. I feel like him carrying. Listen, uh, Drew McIntyre became a champion, and then he got a giant sword. 
So maybe, maybe. Bro, what looks cooler? Giving, what what looks what looks here. what looks cooler in a Western society? What looks cooler to a Western society? It's the sword. In the fight, though. Number one, the sword. Number two, Nigerians don't carry around spears. <laughs> we carry around guns like Americans. Like that's yeah. Like, Scottish people. Well, Scottish people might have a, a razor blade in their in their boots, from what from what I understand, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a little sword. But I don't think they walk around with swords either. No, they they don't. But again, we've had enough of like, was it brave hearts and all that stuff like that? And again, at least there's some sort of a bigoted, uh, ignorant thing. And even Drew would be like, yeah, we carry around swords, man. Ain't nobody Nigerians ain't out here with no spears, bro. We ain't doing that. We got AKs, semi-automatic weapons. They don't we don't throw if you, you want to do spear stuff, go further south in the con- in the continent of Africa. And then, uh, well, I, I'm just imagining Apollo walking out with an AK now, which is not not a bad piece of business. Yeah, get him more heat. Black guy with a gun. Get a whole different fan base. Yeah, that's facts. Really hope that the, I hope we get to talk more about in the future um, with the door, you know, opening and and the door or whatever the door being open and all that stuff. You have a lot of incredible stuff. On impact, currently Moose and Rich Swan are slated to go at it at uh, Rebellion tonight. Uh, we're filming this on a on a Saturday. They're going at it for the, to unify the Impact World Heavyweight Title and and then the TNA World Heavyweight Title. And the winner of that match will face Kenny Omega at Rebellion. Um, this is huge for a lot of reasons because I do believe. Hopefully, if we get to talk about Impact a little bit more, it's hard because it's hard to find ways to view them. They're on fight. Uh, TV and not everyone has access to that, but Moose has really been one of the standout wrestlers for the past two years and has really raised his game to become, I mean, one of the better wrestlers in the world today. So that's interesting. Also, please continue to check out the New Japan Cup. Uh, if you can get on, get New Japan World. It's it's highly worth it so far. It's been very interesting. Okada's out. Naito's out. Jay White, King Switch is still in there doing it. Uh, well, that's amazing. Uh, and unfortunately, we did not get to get to John Cena's Instagram. We will get to that next week. It's one of the more provocative social media pages ever. And I, I can't wait to really dive deep into that uh, with our fans. It really is. And the stuff he posted this week needs to be discussed it, it in really further does. detail. Yes. Uh, guys, this has been us. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, my only take on New Japan, New Japan Cup is go Shingo Tatagi. Uh, <laughs> my name has been uh, Mike Allen. I am on uh, Twitter as Russian Shingo Takagi uh, <laughs> and also at just Mike Alloy. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Satoyo one. That is S E T O I Y O one. You really couldn't get original Satoyo. Huh? I could. I just wanted to let people know that it's just Satoyo, but I am the one and it had to be, I had to let them know. I could have been just at Satoyo, but I wanted to really drive the point home. I respect it. Yes. And if you ever meet another person and their name is Satoyo, you tell me who they are. I have to go. We must fight to the death in Kumite style because there can only be one. You can't have There can only be one. There can only be one. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great day.